Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Listen, you can still have fun at 50 years married, okay? <laughs> so just to tell you, marriage is good. God made a great thing when he made marriage. He really, really did. And uh, yeah, for, you, for those of you looking forward to it, look forward to it. Because it's really amazing. Mm. Sure. So, miracles of revival. What a great topic. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big miracle we're still alive. But that's <laughs> part from that. It's, a, it's an important part of our life that we're revived on a daily basis. You know, I mean, you, you want to live a life of revival. You want to live knowing that you were revived by Christ on a daily basis. But the miracle follows the revival. Because if you get up in the morning all sulky and awful, grumpy, grumpy yeah, tell them about grumpy. You heard about the wife who said, do you ever wake up grumpy? She said, no, I let him sleep. Yeah, so. <laughs> but if you wake up grumpy, you're not full of revival. But if you wake up alive and ready for the day, revival will follow you wherever you go. Amen. And I love this statement that you, you sent to us about what you're doing. And this is the statement. This is the only thing I'm going to read because we go all over the show. So we believe that God works miracles today by the power of the Holy Spirit to bless people and advance his kingdom. Anybody in agreement with that? Signs that point people to faith in Jesus as the Son of God. And we want to talk about those signs today. Signs that we have experienced, signs that you will experience, signs that you need to have anticipation to experience. So, are you ready? So just wiggle your bottom in your seat. So I'm ready, I'm ready. Okay, that's great. Father, we thank you for readiness. Yeah. We are a people who are ready to receive your word, to receive your in instruction, to receive your encouragement, to receive the Holy Spirit himself, that yeah. we could be great messengers for you, and we can take the power of the Holy Spirit into the streets, the highways, the byways of our city. Not tomorrow, not the next day, but today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I was talking to Langer yesterday, and one of the things he said was when John was here 20 years ago, he used to say, Take notes. We've got to the stage where we put everything on YouTube, we put it on sound bites, but we don't take notes. Mm. When you take notes, you have grabbed hold of it. Mm. You have appropriated it for yourself. It's not something that's going through Asbury. It's not something that's happening out there. It's something that's happening to you. You see it, you touch it, you feel it. So if you're not a note taker, go back. Go back and start taking notes again. I know that many of you are university students. It's a real um, 
It's a real touch. It reminds you of what God's doing. So my part today, when we first came to South Africa, we're British by, British by birth, South African by choice. Um, and when we first came to South Africa, I had never, ever seen churches that overflowed. Though every church you drove past on a Sunday, I'm talking about the early 80s, every church you drove past, it was full. This was full, the overflow was full, there were some speakers outside. And I didn't, we didn't go to church at that time, we didn't know anything about it, but it was a sign, and it made me interested. Yeah. I was inquisitive, what is going on there? And so I went and I found out more. When Jesus works in your life, it is a sign to those around you. When the woman at the well... <laughs> you remember the woman at the well? She's there in the middle of the day to avoid all the people. Do you know? She was. He said, uh, "Go tell your husband." I said, uh, "I don't have a husband." He said, "You're right. The five you had, and you haven't got one now." I mean, psst, got that one, stamped it. You know, that's why she was not with the people. But when Jesus spoke to her, when Jesus changed her, yeah. she ran into the city and she said, come and see a man. Come and see a man. Come and hear about a man who's changed me. Yeah. Are you and I doing that? Are we going, let me tell you about Jesus. He changes things. Yeah. I think that the best way for us to understand miracles is to have studied and to study how Jesus conducted miracles. Because I think it's such a good idea to look at all the things he did and then try and reenact them. And the uh -uh. answer to that is, no, we don't. Because the Holy Spirit does things differently all the time. So, you know, we are not going to be looking at how to spit in the mud and apply it to eyes this morning. That would be quite fun to do. But... We are going to see what Jesus did and try and draw from that why he was doing it and what was happening all the way through it. And if we go back to the very first miracle that he performed on this earth, how many of you know who, what that might be? It's recorded in the Bible. I think it was a very good miracle. He turned water into something that comes from the Cape. Wine. You see, it's in the Bible, not juice. Anyway, so in John 2 verse 11, it says, The beginning of signs, Jesus is in Galilee, and he manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. You see, when you manifest the glory of God, be it turning water into wine, when you start to do things of God, people believe not in you, but in God. The glory is shifted directly to him. It takes the eye of the preacher and puts it on Jesus himself. And I love the fact that it says that, and his disciples believed in him. Miracles get people excited and get people to believe. And Jesus included his disciples in every miracle that he performed. 
why he was trying to teach them something as they went. Could they perform the miracle? No, they couldn't even save a fly. But they could be part of the process. And at that wedding at Cana, when he said, when, when his mother came to him and she said, listen, they've run out of booze. This is a big party and this is going to be devastating for this family. Do something about it. And he said, woman, it's not actually my time. And she must have just went, hmm? You know that, that African look? Hmm? You know when your wife does that to you? Hmm? That means, okay, I'll do it. And so we see that then his mother says to the servants this very important word. She says, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. This was to the servants, but they could have been his disciples. Whatever he says to you, do it. So just do it. Nike. Okay. Turn to the person next to you and say, whatever he says to you, do it. You know, as John's, as John's talking there the, about signs and people believing. I have a group on a, on a Tuesday morning in a place called Rabot. It's a very small dorpy. And <laughs> there's a lady who's part of that group. And she will say to go around to people and she say, you want a job? Come to Tuesday morning. They get jobs at Tuesday morning. Not because we've got jobs, but because we've got prayer. We've got prayer. We, we don't access our own ability. We access the heavens. Je- Jesus provides. And at the beginning of last year, we got a very old lady, and she wrote down, Lord, please give Linda a car. She needs a car. Linda's, she works in the township with various people. And that was maybe this time of, of last year. And our last meeting of last year, Linda drives in in a brand new little white car. You know, God wants to meet us where we are. He wants to touch us where we are. And he's, he's no respecter of persons. So let's look at the second one. We're looking at Lazarus this time. How many of you know what happened to Lazarus? He died. He died. And when, when they told him, he was, <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> When, when, <laughs> okay, I don't actually know what will happen in all these things. Uh, <laughs> maybe I should find the Bible at this point because it's a bit distracting. If it's not for you, it is for me. Um, okay. <laughs> maybe you need a hand. Oh, dear. You've got to buy two ply, guys, not one ply. <laughs> Okay, all right. So, uh, Lazarus had been dead four days. Who can tell me what what the sisters said? 
They said he's very smelly. There'll be a stench by this time. What did Jesus say? He said, what did he say to the people? Come on, guys, you've got to know your Bible here. This is a Bible church. They said, Jesus said to the people, roll the stone away. Roll the stone away. And what happened? Jesus makes miracles, but they don't jump out of the sky at us. We have to play a part. We are always playing a part in this miracle. So they roll the stone away, and then look what happened. Lazarus comes out and he's bound. He is still bound. He's alive. When you and I came to Christ, we were alive. But somebody came and told us, God has plans and purposes for you. He's a future and a hope. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're God's creation. You have been born for such a time as this. Go forth and make disciples. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Go, therefore. And he ran. And he was able to do it because he was unbound. (laughs) Thank you. But what I love about the single ply thing here... which didn't work very well, but it was rather last minute. It was just while I was sitting here. Is that he didn't just say, bandages, come off in Jesus' name on the floor. He didn't. He asked and told his disciples to go and take them off. He asked and told his disciples, remove the bandages. So they were involved in this miracle. And I want to tell you, if I was one of those disciples, and I'm watching this thinking, <clears throat> Jesus, I think you just kind of overstepped the mark. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's time I should just retreat. You know, I mean, are you sure about this? And then he said, well, okay, now John, I'm John. So John, just go and take the bandages off. Jesus, this guy is fraught. <laughs> He's been hanging around for four days. He's going to pong, and you want me to take these off? And as they started to undo them, life came. It took me 30 years to receive Jesus. I was bound for 30 years. That stinks. That stinks. So I want to say to you, the greatest miracle that you will see performed on earth is the salvation of a person. Yeah. That is the truth. And if you receive, how many of you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Just raise up your hand. You received a miracle in your life. Otherwise, this room would smell terribly of death but it smells of life and life in abundance. So let us never, ever, ever draw back from the importance of seeing people born again. And it's going to be you as a disciple that's going to begin to remove bandages from people that you love 
who do not yet know Christ. And as you begin to remove and loosen those bandages, Jesus can perform the miracle in order that life can come into them. Disciples are intricately involved in the saving of people's lives. If it wasn't for people in our lives, we wouldn't be standing here today. Many people tried with me. And I remember on a plane, I just put the headphones on. I was not interested. But the minute I got saved, I remembered that person. And I remembered what they said. At that time, I just rebuked it. Not in Jesus' name, but in my name. (laughs) I'm telling you, we need to remove bandages. Amen. And so we've looked at the the miracle of what we see. We've looked at the miracle of of new birth, of death to life, of discipleship. And I just want to quickly look at Jesus with the provision. And I'm speaking to you from uh, Mark 6 and verse 38. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Mm. And then he commanded them. He commanded who? He commanded them, the disciples, to make them. Who is the other them? All the people. All the people. So he told the disciples to make them, the others, all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks, in hundreds and in fifties. And actually, we think about that. I actually don't know. How many have you got in a row? How many have you got in a block? Do you know? No. Okay. But there's... So it, let's just say it was a block. All right? And we've got to sit you down in rows, and now we've got to feed them. But now listen to what he says. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when, they had, when he, Jesus, had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves... And gave them to his disciples. So could I have the front row, the disciple, that disciple, that disciple, one disciple here, a disciple there, and a disciple there. Okay, stand up. Just no, just stand up. Just stand up. Okay, you've got one there, and there's one here. Okay, we've got one there. Now, if I had five loaves, these are not really loaves. They're not supersized loaves. They're more like rolls. Okay? He breaks them. And he had two fish. I don't know how big those fish were. I don't think they were like this. They're, they're fish out of the Lake of Galilee, I think. But anyway, he looked, he, Jesus, looked to heaven. He blessed and broke the loaves. And he gave them to his disciples to set before them the two loaves he had divided among them all. So I've got two loaves. So I come to you. You can have the head. There you go, one. And you can have a, two tails. And you can have the gills. And you can have the fins. And you, if you're lucky, can have the innards. Okay, there's just only two fish. Okay. And now, go, I, I'm just for the purposes of the illustration, I'm Jesus right now. I'm not Jesus. No, no claims to fame. But I'm just pretend, pretending, all right? And you've got your little bit. And now I say, bless them, Lord. Who is doing the giving? The disciples. 
Who has done the miracle? Who needs to do their work before you, the crowd, get fed? Okay, so now these people, I don't know about you, I would probably have been going, ooh, there's not much here. Ooh, ooh. But you know what? Years and years ago, we used to work in a shelter on a Wednesday night, and many times the soup would be running out, and we'd get to there. And it stayed there until everybody was fed. So there's faith from these people. There's faith from Jesus. There's faith from these people. And you do the eating. How good is God? We have to partner with the Holy Spirit. We have to partner with God himself. He's doing the miracle. But we have our part to play as well. Thank you, disciples. You can sit down. And so we, Jesus said to the, the disciples, they didn't come and say, well, what am I supposed to do with a couple of little fins of fish or a bit of roll? They said, when? He said, teach us to pray. It wasn't a formula. It wasn't cut and paste. It wasn't, okay, in this situation, I'll do that. It's teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Because the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to teach you what you have need of when you have it. And we said this yesterday to the leaders in this church. That prayer that uh, Sandile led us in this morning. So alive. It's so alive. He says, what is the first word of, of that prayer? Our, our. You know, right, when Jesus was teaching us to pray, it's a team's, team business. Christianity's teamwork. Nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. So let's teach them to say our. And as we do it, Jesus invites us to partner with him in his life-restoring mission. What a privilege. Yeah. In John 15, it says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go out and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever, everybody say whatever. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you may love one another. So out of love, out of love for one another and out of love for the society in which we live. We can ask the Father for anything, anything, in order to see someone blessed and someone changed. And I want to tell you, God chose you. Would you just take your finger, this one, see that one? Point it at the person next to you and say, God chose you. And just in case you didn't get it right, turn the other way and say, (laughs) God chose you chose you. I just want to, I want to tell you, there's something about testimony. How many, how many people like to hear stories, you know? And I want to tell you, pastors can tell a lot of stories. <laughs> but we, we, we wanted just to tell you a little bit of our history. I mean, we, we go back a while, you know, over 70, we go back a while, so you know, whatever. But 
we started ministry, and the first thing, I can't imagine why, but they asked me to be a, a, a lecturer at the Bible school. I didn't know anything. <laughs> I think but it's so you, you had to learn. I had to learn, yes. I had to learn before I taught the students. But anyway, but I decided in, in the early, it was just in the 90s, early 90s, it was in that revival that we were talking about. Um, I was teaching at the Bible school, and at that time, when we had Bible school, it was at Ramah, and we had a 1,000 students every year coming to Bible school. Now, it wasn't once a week for an hour. It was five days a week, three to four hours a night, or three to four hours in the morning for two whole years. That is called commitment. <laughs> That's a gift what we need in society. It's called commitment. Anyway, so the students would come and they were learning the word and they received the word and they were popping with the word. They were full of it. They were full of the word. But I felt in my heart that we have to let people out to show what's within. Remember that song? You gotta let it out. You can't keep it in. You know, you, you gotta let it out. Whatever is inside, you gotta let it out. And so I designed this course and with the second year students, after a year of learning, they had the opportunity every Wednesday that they would be able to go out and be involved in ministry. So I had 17 groups of 10 people, we, uh, 10 people each over 17 weeks, going to 17 different opportunities of ministry, which they circulated through. It could be hospital. It could be a counseling room on a Sunday. It could be oh, a whole heap of things. And, and they had to go to the street ministry. They had to do it all. And the reason I asked them to do that was somewhere along the line, they're going to find out this, this this is what I was created to do. Because if we don't try, we never find out what we were called to do. Let me tell you, you were not called to come to church on a Sunday, and that's it. This is your refresher. This is where you get built up. Your church is out there waiting for you. But only when we experience it, can it happen? So I want to just give you a few uh, testimonies of what happened. But it's, it was based on Ephesians 2 verse 10. And Ephesians 2 verse 10, my favorite scripture in the entire Bible, in the Amplified says this, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship. Just look at your neighbor and say, you are amazing. You're beautiful. <laughs> Created, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. So how many of us want to live to the good life? Then you've got some work to do. <laughs> we only get the good life 
when we do what God asked us to do. Amen? I'm going to tell you about this amazing woman called Juliana Bosma. She is now, how old is she now? Mid-70s. Mid-70s. Juliana Bosma, is, uh, she was a Namibian lady, and uh, she is, was an out-and-out budding evangelist. She loved to evangelize. And she knew that the day was coming when she was going to go on street ministry, and she was so excited to go out on street ministry. She couldn't wait because she really felt in her heart this is where it was going to be. And on the day that she was going to go out, in came the evangelist, Peter Rame, and he had a whole lot of boards, and he had a whole lot of sticks, and he had a whole lot of nails, and he said, today we're not going to go to the street. We're going to make posters for Saturday's walk which were going through town to proclaim Jesus. She was, to put it mildly, not pleased. <laughs> she was extremely not pleased. So she sat on the ground or knelt on the ground with her hammer and a nail, and she was bashing the nails <laughs> into these banners. And she suddenly thought, I've got to get my, right, my, my heart right. I have to get my heart right. And the minute she got her heart right, as she was putting those nails in, God put in her heart vividly exactly what he had called her to do. And he called her to go to Austria to evangelize the rich, the famous, the aristocracy, to change this, the fabric of the nation. That was... How many 35 years 30, ago. Yeah, 35, 30, 25 years 35 ago. Years 30, ago. No, <laughs> really. 35 years ago. 35 years ago. 35 years ago. She's still there. And she takes the aristocracy. She gets the devil out of them. And she pours the, the Spirit of God into them. And they're being changed Radically. How amazing is that? And her son, who was also at Bible school, but the following year, he's an every nation pastor in Austria. I mean, how amazing is that? He's here, he used to be every nation in Bloemfontein, Glen. And here they work together as a team. And he's doing these house churches. He has house churches in Switzerland, in Germany, and in Austria. But it came out of an act of obedience in the middle of a disappointment. So at about the same time, um, I, was, I was running an AIDS outreach. John was invited into Johannesburg, Jen. In those days, they didn't even know what AIDS was. Yeah. Okay? They didn't. He was, it was like the COVID thing. Go into the hospital, have all the gowns and masks and everything on. And <laughs> they were all gowned up, and it was all whatever. And they sent John in with a, with a Bible. Uh, no gown, no, no masks, no anything. And that was our first full-blown AIDS patient who was desperately ill. We started an outreach, and uh, we, ha we helped people who, whose families were infected or affected by HIV-AIDS. And the f then one of the team believed that she was being called to open her home for three full-blown AIDS patients. They were, they got a CD count of sort of less than 200. 
And so she opened it up, and we, as a team, there was maybe 12, 15 of us, went in to go and see. Now, Corrine had started this home, and she'd done it by faith, and she'd worked out, yes, she was still working as a nurse full-time, had the home, etc. But she'd forgotten that there was going to be an electricity bill. Now, going back a lot of years, the electricity bill was, and I think I've written it down here, I think it was 156 round of 50 cents. But she didn't have 156 round of 50 cents. But she knew somebody who did. And so we went along on this particular Saturday afternoon, met the, the patients that were there and so on. And one of the group, uh, husband and wife team, they, every night when they got home, they would empty their pockets take out the small change, pop it on the table, and that was collected till the end of the month. And at the end of the month, they asked God what, where he wanted them to give this money to. You could turn it into a check in those days. So they came with this money, and they said, we know it's not very much, but we got a check here for 156 round and 50 cents. <laughs> to the cent. To the cent. Yes, to the cent. God knows what you have need of before you ask. But you have to ask. <laughs> and from that moment on, Corrine then went on years later. She ended up with a complete rainbow village, 300 people, HIV people. God can do exceedingly abundantly more than we ask, think, or imagine because the power of God is ready and made available in us. It's in you. It's not out there. It's in you. And you don't have to be grown up and old. Mm. You can be a child as well. It's I don't know how long we've got. It's exactly what you were saying this morning, that it's seed. It was just seed, 150, whatever it was. It was seed. So we talked about a miracle of a spiritual gift, which is evangelism. We talked about Glenn. That's a miracle still in motion. He's doing something brand new in, in, in Europe, which is so dead and dark. We talk about... The miracle of multiplication of, of uh, provision with just taking that seed, and it was exactly right. But I want to say that I have seen the miracle of multiplication. And I think about a guy called Steve Olafier. Steve Olafier was a student, young guy, and after Bible school or during Bible school, he went to work for Jesus Alive Ministries. And he worked with Jesus Alive Ministries in Mozambique, wherever. I mean, they have. Just seen, I've wrote, it's been written down here, so I don't, 15 millionth salvation. 15 millionth salvation across That's Africa. That's from Jesus Alive Ministries. That's from Jesus Alive Ministries. But today, Steve and his wife and their beautiful children, they decided they're going to, they're going to, through, he went through another Bible school as well, and he now runs this fantastic church in Neisner with this heart of evangelism and this heart of compassion for people. And his church is popping out of its boots. And we've known Neisner for many years. It's been like the absolute dead spot <laughs> in the whole of South Africa. Nothing, nothing happens in Neisner except now in this vineyard church. It is blossoming. The multiplication is now happening where he lives. It's so exciting to see. 
and he's got young pastors and young workers and so on. I want to tell you, God uses the children as well. If you're under 20, give me a, give me a wave. <laughs> Langa, put your hand down. Okay. God uses the children. I want to give you an example. So somewhere along our life's journey with Jesus, we had a, a, a home, a shelter for street kids. We ended up having 133 boys between the ages of 14 and 18 living four. in a street. Four, four. Sorry, between four and 18, sorry. Um, living in a street shelter. The Bible school students were a lot of our staff uh, that helped look after them, but they were fed, they had beds, they had schooling, we had the whole lot. But at the weekends, there was minimal staff there. Um, we just sort of worked low rotor. And one particular weekend, only two, two people were, two types of people were allowed to bring children in. They were either the social workers or the police, but nobody else could just bring their children in because you know how that would work. Hey, free meals. Um, so on this particular Saturday, uh, the police brought in a young boy I don't know, maybe eight years old, something like that. Most of the street children don't know how old they are, you know, obviously. And uh, so he came in, and he had a withered arm. You know when there's been a fire, and the, the arm has been burned very badly? And he, he had this withered arm, and he was mute. So there was a young guy in the, in the, uh, the shelter. His name was Dominic. And Dominic's about 15. And at 15, Dominic had already uh, volunteered to be an usher in the church. He was doing Bible studies. He was sold out to Jesus. He had been a street child. He was now growing up as a, as a child of God. So he met this young boy. And he said, I'll show you around. Come. And he showed him the dining room. And he showed him a bed. And he had a locker and the, all those things. And then eventually... Um, the boy could hear, he was just mute. And eventually they got to the washing area and he said, you can wash your clothes here and here's the soap and so on. And the, the boy, the, the one who'd just come in, he, he looks at Dominic and he says, can, I pray, can you pray for me? And Dominic said, sure, I'll pray for you. And he puts his hands on this child and he says, Jesus, you have paid the price for this life. I thank you that every curse is now broken. I thank you for freedom in Christ Jesus. I thank you for health, wholeness, and healing. Amen. And the mute, the mute child said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> By this time, and Dominic says, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory to God! Glory to God! So you must know, the following morning, 133 boys get off the buses, because they, they were bused into church. They came, and they are going berserk. <laughs> because so there wasn't excited. an adult around. It was their faith. It was their God. God uses you and me. He will use anybody who's available, faithful, available, and teachable. Be fat. 
faithful, available, and teachable. And the whole place was rejoicing. And it turned out this young boy, when he had gone, been in the fire, they'd taken him to a Sangoma. And he had been able to speak prior to the accident. He went mute after the Sangoma. Dominic, only knowing the power of the Holy Spirit, said, Jesus has paid. He became a curse for us. He broke the power of the curse. We are set free for freedom. Deliverance. Amen. We might have had Bible school every day of the week, but we also did it in the holidays. When there was a holiday, we would, I would take all the students on missions. And quite often we used to come down to KwaZulu-Natal because we love KwaZulu-Natal. And uh, we used to come down to Alundi. And in Alundi there was a, maybe one of, anybody came, went to school at the James Unkomalo Agricultural School? Anybody? You did? You did. Come and just, oh, that's so cool. Come on now. <laughs> Maybe this is one of my lads. I don't know. So, so many years ago, we went down and we preached at the James and Kamala Agricultural School. And on the first night, it was, it was actually the junior school. On the first night, the entire body of all those young boys, all of them got saved. The whole lot. They all got filled with the Holy Spirit. And the following day, we went down to the river and we baptized them in the Umfalosi River. A hundred, I don't know, 150, 200 boys in the river. It was just amazing. And a couple of years ago, a good friend of ours, his name is Nati Umbiazi, who, who is the person who runs the 24-7 ministry. He came down to meet another gentleman by the name of Nati Zondo. And Nati Zondo runs all these churches. It's a really big church organization throughout KwaZulu-Natal. Anybody heard of Nati Zondi? Zondo? Yeah? You, you guys know him? Yeah? Who knows? Yeah, you know it? You know him. Okay. And so they were just chatting, and the two Natis didn't know each other, so they just sort of, you know, like two dogs uh, sniffing each other, just trying to find out who each other is, you know. And somewhere along the line, Nati and Biazi talked about John and Rona. And this guy said, John. The other night he said, John. You mean Pastor John? He said, he said yeah. He said, that's my father. He said, what do you mean father? He said, he was one of the children in the river. I didn't know that. I haven't seen him since. But God can multiply when you don't know multiplication is going to come from. And so... Maybe he's one of those, you know, so <laughs> thanks, Buti. Thank you so much. So sometimes it's students, sometimes it's outreach, sometimes it's just your day-to-day living. And um, every Christmas, we used to go to the hospital. After church, we go to the hospital in the morning. And if anybody here been to Hillbrow Hospital? Yeah, it's a, bit do- it's a bit dodgy, you know. A lot, a lot, of, the, a lot of the people are chained to the beds because they're convicts of one, one yeah. sort or another. Anyway, so we, we go into the... It was Christmas morning, and we go with a few people and a few bits and pieces, and we go to just go and pray for the people in the hospital. 
And if you've been around me for very long, out of the abundance, the heart, the mouth speaks. It'll always be word coming out. You know, it'll all be, always be word. Um, where's our precious? Where's precious? Precious, won't you come, come and be my... my um, I would like you to please to sit as though you're sitting on a bed, but African style, not like I'd sit on a bed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I want you to can, is it going to sit on the, sit on the thing there. Put your legs out straight. There we go. Now, if you're European, that is quite a difficult thing I to do. I can't do that. They do it. <laughs> they, you know, I, I would cross my legs, but you know how African they they somehow the ladies uh. are so elegant and they sit upright and they look. Look at that. Yeah. Isn't that magnificent? Yeah. It's magnificent. How beautiful is this? That's okay, just magnificent. Not be able to see it all. But they, so I go to this first lady and she was sitting just like Precious is sitting now. And I, it's Christmas. I'm being nice. And I said, Hello, Precious. What can I pray for you for? She said, I'm paralyzed. I can't walk. Okay, is there anybody else like me that we're going like, God, that's a big prayer. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's, you know, headaches. We do headaches. <laughs> so, so she said, I'm paralyzed. And big, deep breath. Holy Ghost. So before you pray, find out what God wants you to pray. Because if you pray his will, his will, it will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So I put my hands on this girl's legs like this. And I said, Father, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Knees bow in Jesus' name. And she moved her legs. Bow your knee. Just bend your knee. And she bent her knees like this. <laughs> yep. Without the skirt. <laughs> and let me take your hand. And and yeah. Well done, precious. <laughs> so, so I get to the next bed. I thought, whew. Okay, we'll do the headache thing. <laughs> I get to the next bed and guess what? She was also paralyzed. But the second time, God, God gave, her, um, gave her the ability to walk. So by this time, <laughs> I hear John coming from the, the ward just down there. He's going, he says, hey, you with the anointing. Come, I've got another one. <laughs> <laughs> When the anointing is there, walk through. That was not my normal faith. That was not me walking. If it was, I'd be in hospital every day going, hallelujah, let's do it. There was a special anointing. When the anointing is there, you know it, I know it. Don't go, well, I'll come back next week. It's a now moment. When Jesus broke the bread, it was a now moment. When Lazarus came forth, it was a now moment. We need to recognize the now moments. The, the last one I want to just tell you about happened here in Durban. And it happened in, in, 
in the, right in the middle of town, and there was a guy by the name of Arthur Blessed, who used to carry a crosser around the world. I don't know if any of you have seen anything about him. He's walked the entire globe with a cross. And wherever, he's just super anointed. He's just an anointed, wonderful man. And people used to flock to him wherever he came. And one of our friends who was in the Bible school, the name was Brigitte Hupkus, was helping him and part of his team. And they came to Durban, and they were in the square, and hundreds of people were coming to be prayed for. And she was trying to help with them. And this woman came, and she had this child that was totally deformed. I mean, just, just like this, just all... Or just everything was wrong. It just, and this woman put this child in her arms. And Brigitte immediately said what Rona is saying, I don't have the faith for this. I don't have the faith for this. That was the first thing that went through her mind. So she turned to look at Arthur to ask him to take this child. As she turned... There was this noise of breaking bones in this child. And the woman screamed. And when she looked back, this child was entirely healed. Did she have the faith? No. But I want to tell you there is a miracle called the miracle of faith. And when God wants you to do something, he will give you the spiritual gift of faith. Like it or like it not, it's going to happen. So don't get disheartened by something that you think is too big for you. It's not. He gives you the faith to do it. And in that one year when we had those ministry, all these ministry things within that one year, those students saw exactly 14 thousand salvations 14,000 salvations in one year there are more people in this room than there were students and you know what I'm going to say to you there's no reason why you can't do it the word of God says this they overcame him. They overcame the devil through the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. We have given you testimony. These are things that we saw. These are things that we experienced in a revival. These are things that you need to place in your heart that you want to say, Lord, oh, please me. Please, this testimony, the testimony means to do again. That's what it means. People give their testimony because then the testimony can be taken, placed in someone else's heart so that he can do it again. So who would like to do something like that? One of these testimonies. What would you like to do? Right at the back. Heal the sick. We have a heal of being sicker. Well, come on now. Anybody, anybody, who, who would like to do something? All the hands have gone down now. Yes. Huh? Children's work. Come on. 
getting the children in. Yes, nice and loud. Shout it. Oh, I can't hear that. <laughs> He's over 70. Give him I'm a break. over 70 and I've got hearing aids, so here we go. <laughs> I want to be used by God to do ministry. Fantastic. Come on now. Anybody else? Just claim it. Yeah. Come on, he sets the cap. Oh, we need psychological healing. Start to walk out what God has given you. He's given you a gift. There is not one person in this room who has not been given a job to do. Not one. Your job is not to sit in a chair on Sundays. Your job is to do the thing that is going to make your heart want to Burst with pleasure. Hebrews 12 verse 1 in the message says, so here is what I want you to do. This is what God is saying to each one here today. Here is what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. And you're walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity... God brings out the best in you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. And the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Put your hands out in front of you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Maybe you're sitting here today and when that toilet roll is being removed from sobs, you saw yourself there. You saw yourself in the place of Lazarus. You need unbinding. You need to be released. You need death to be taken from you and life given to you. And there's only one person in the entire universe and beyond that can give that to you and his name is Jesus Christ. And if you 
know in your heart that today that you desire to follow Jesus and to have that bondage removed from you. All those things of the past, the things that hold you in bondage. Then we want to pray with you this morning to receive Christ as your Lord and that that bondage will be released. And while people are just praying for you and praying for others who maybe are not in this room, that that bondage would be removed. If you're in this room and you would like prayer, would you just raise up your hands and say, yeah, that's me. I need that. Yeah, amen. Amen. God bless you. 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 raised your hand or you, you you should have done would you just be really bold and stand Lazarus had to come forth out of the grave come this on. is your come forth moment yeah. if you raised your hand there were lots of hands just stand just stand just stand next door to a person with their, who's standing, just put your hand on the shoulder of that person and begin to pray for them. Heavenly Father, thank you for these people who are standing and those people who are standing in their hearts. Lord, thank you for new birth. Thank you that as they receive Christ today, Every bondage would be removed from them and new life would begin. We thank you for those who are standing online. Yeah. If they're standing physically or if they're standing in their hearts, you see it now. And Lord, as they say, come into my life, Lord Jesus. Come take over my life. I receive you today. Forgive me. He'll take you as you are, dead in sin, and bring life to you this morning. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. There's, there's people here who, when you saw Lazarus being unwrapped, you knew that I can speak to somebody else. I can be part of their freedom. We all know people who are bad. There's some heinous things going on in the world right now. But God, but God, God says you unwrap him, you unbind him. There's people here, there's people, counselors who are going to set free, people who are going to use psychiatry to set people free. But there's the average Joe like you and me, and we can actually speak to our friends, our colleagues, our families. If you're willing to be part of the freedom miracle I want you to stand up if you're willing to play a part in somebody else's life and be part of somebody else's freedom miracle this is not about us this is about us co-laboring with the living God 
we co-labor. We get to be the donkey that brings Jesus into the situation. You know, that donkey came in and I think he probably thought he was pretty smart, but he was just bringing the Lord Jesus Christ in. And I believe here, you can take Jesus into your workplace. You can take Jesus into your home. You can take Jesus into your families. You can take Jesus to the cashier at the the checkout. People, people have needs. We live in a world that is so broken, but we know the one who can fix it. Put your hands out. Say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Use me. Use me for your glory. Use me for your glory. I want to co-labor with you. I want to co-labor with you. And you, that you may receive all the glory. Remember, Mary said to those servants, Whatever, whatever he says to you, do it. There's going to be times when you think, oh, but please, that's just embarrassing. (laughs) Oh, that's a bit awkward. I think Jesus was awkward. His disciples probably thought, oh, this is a bit awkward. Let's be bold. Let's be bold. We have the king of all kings. We have the Lion of Judah living in our lives. Let him roar through you. Let him roar through you. Father, we pray. Oh, Lord, let an army arise. Let an army arise. Every part doing its share. Take your every day walking around life. You're going out, you're coming in, you're rising up and you're lying down. Take it and let it be a living sacrifice to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at iandurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.